Before we start this episode, I want to ask you a favor. If you like the show, give me some love. It's great that you tell me that you like me and you give me the feedback, but please go ahead and also rate and review me on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Also, as we gear up for the holiday season, tell three people in your life, a friend or two, uh, relatives, that you have this new podcast that you listen to. That's the Chris Ham Podcast. And please follow me at Chris and Ham on Twitter. This show actually has listeners all over the world, even now. So please continue to help me spread the word. Your support and feedback are incredibly meaningful to me. Hello and welcome to the Chris Ham Podcast, episode number 25. Now, I mentioned this before, but not only are we approaching the end of the year, but we are also approaching the end of the decade, which is absolutely crazy. And it really snuck up on us, snuck up on me at the very least. Now, it's November 24th, and I am already about a week into listening to holiday music. I'm not ashamed to say it, man. There's some great ballads out there. I'm listening in the car, on the train, on the way to work. At the gym, walking around the around the uh, the streets of my my neighborhood, to me these songs don't get old because they're just classics that you listen to once a year for about a month, month and a half, and also because newer artists put their own twists on these old Christmas and holiday songs, in addition to coming up with their own. And you got to credit Mariah Carey now. I think her we're at the 25 year anniversary of her of her album with some of her now classics which I think our grandkids will be playing in 50 years from now. And of similar style to, to Mariah Carey, uh, a couple decades younger, Ariana Grande has both twists on some old songs and her own originals. Now to me, hands down, a top five of my favorites is her version of Santa Baby. I think it's, it's, it's fucking fantastic. Now my other four, if you're wondering what my top five songs are, I actually... And, or if you're not, I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I'll Be Home for Christmas and Silver Bells, both by Martina McBride, country music sensation. Um, it's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Perry Como. And Last Christmas by George Michael and Wham. Those are my top five Christmas songs or holiday songs. And Thanksgiving this year is as late as it possibly can be. This year. Now, who knows out there how Thanksgiving is determined every year? Now, about a dozen years ago, I had a colleague who was very smart. She's a, she was an Ivy League educated um, coworker, and she had no friggin' idea that Thanksgiving rotated dates every year. No idea. All right. For those of you who are at the edge of your seat and don't want any more airtime on this podcast to go on by convincing yourself that, of course, you know the Thanksgiving calendar rhythm but you actually aren't sure, I won't make you wait any longer. Thanksgiving isn't a set day every year. It's the fourth Thursday of every November. Now this year, November 1st was a Thursday, so therefore it's as late as it can possibly be. Now next year, it rotates the other way, but isn't the absolute earliest it could be because 2020 is a leap year. So instead of November 1st being a Friday next year, it's actually a Saturday as we add an extra calendar day to February. So it's pretty early next year, but not as early as can be. And it's not going to be as early as can be for um, another few years. Now, 
this makes me wonder. My second daughter um, is due March 12th. Jen and I are expecting our, our little girl. And uh, when the OB gave us the date, I'm wondering if the calendars are calculated on a standard 365-day year or they actually did adjust based on uh, 2019 going into 2020. So I'm going to have to ask that question next time that we, uh, we, ha- we have a, an appointment for, for Jen. But um, you know, as far as Thanksgiving goes, I love it as a holiday. I can't say it's underrated because it tends to be, I think, in the top three of most people that I talk to. You know, I love so much about it. I love that going into this weekend, you're looking at six out of the next nine days off in a lot of cases, assuming you have off next Friday, with one and a half of those work days being light, even relative to most Fridays. You know, people are flying, they're traveling, they're checking out. Nobody wants to get real work done. You're just kind of tying up loose ends. Now, since having our oldest, uh, you know, three, three and a half years ago, we've hosted. We moved out of the city. We've hosted in the Burbs, and, I, and I've really enjoyed us hosting. I love the cooking and carving the turkey, prepping the sides, the desserts, the whole shebang, the whole spread. And I do this while sipping a cocktail or two, listening to some holiday music. I'm a big bourbon guy, some you know, some Manhattan, a, an old-fashioned, love doing it. And uh, this year we're actually hosting, uh, you know, just – our family, the, the, the three of us, uh, soon to be four, and we're heading to a friend's place who have kids around the same age for dessert late afternoon into early evening. So looking forward to it. And uh, there's so many good dishes on Thanksgiving, but my favorites are the following. I love a good turkey breast with jelly cranberry sauce and some stuffing around it, some, a little bit of gravy on the stuffing, uh, a solid dinner roll, and uh, sweet potato casserole. I mean, that's my. If I have those, uh, that that collection of items, everything else is just gravy, <laughs> pun intended on that. And for dessert, um, you know, for me, for Thanksgiving, I love a good apple pie. But for Thanksgiving, it just feels like pumpkin pie fits more of the mood. So pumpkin pies and bread pudding for dessert. Uh, man, my mouth is watering just thinking about. It. I can't wait to to have Thanksgiving in a, in a few days. But uh, we got a great show for you coming up. A lot of political this shit this week between the Democratic debate and the Trump impeachment hearings. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a macro perspective about the twelve, you know, about twelve months out from the 2020 election, about just the general landscape. Um, I'm then going to start a weekly segment uh, starting next week. I'm going to introduce it, um, but it's just going to be about parenting. That is going to be half jovial and half serious, um, and I'll just get into kind of a brief a brief thing about that. Um, later on, uh, and then you know after the um, the political discussion, we're going to go into uh, week eleven to twelve NFL Bridge uh, with storylines and picks against the spread. And ending the episode, got a couple rants for you. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Now, once football season ends, I'm going to. S- go a lot heavier in social issues and political topics. I even hope to do an episode or two before the end of the year covering um, something in that, in that realm. But let's take a quick look around the political landscape high level. Now, if you aren't a Dem or a left-leaning independent and you still listen to me every week, God bless you. All right? You must resent me or maybe you just find me interesting and you're just gearing up if you know me personally and have some kind of a political discussion with me or debate. But um, for the context of this discussion, I'm going to use we 
here to represent not only those of us who are registered as Dems, um, but independents, California National Party people, Green Party, not registered in any party, fuck, even Republicans. But if you, I'm going to call you us or we, if you want this orange fucker out of the highest office. And I speak by lumping you into the we and us category here. All right. So just giving you kind of that, that disclaimer as we go in. So what I've found since 2016 in the massive political upset of, of, uh, Hillary Clinton, of Hillary Clinton being defeated by Donald Trump, those of us disappointed by that result in large numbers seem to take what I find to be a very misguided approach in evaluating this 2020 election next year. Now, I think this goes even beyond the people who are anti-Trump, which I mentioned, and, and uh, these neutral, quote-unquote, Republicans um, who couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary as a Clinton because there is that bill for his lying and sleazy demeanor and maybe have a tinge of jealousy that he was a womanizer. But I'm even going to throw those people into this category. But I find these folks... Um, you know, I find these people are saying, um, again, these, these are folks aren't fervently behind all of Trump's misogyny and xenophobia and racist rhetoric and policy initiatives. But, you, but these people, in addition to the Dems and the independents and those who actually despise the guy, um, you will hear people say, the, say, say this, quote, man, the Dems really need to get organized or else they are in big trouble and it's a circus up there for the debates. Nonsense. Horseshit. Cow turds, big heaping pile of smelly poop. Sure, listen, Trump is the incumbent. And since the two-term limit in FDR, the incumbent has won 75% of elections. All right, I'm going to dig into numbers more on different episodes. But Trump's disapproval rating, which I'm pulling from 538 as an index, is approaching 54%, which is the highest disapproval rating of any president at this equivalent tenure going back almost three quarters of a freaking century, right? It goes beyond this impeachment situation. If you look at swing states, Trump is polling competitively against Biden, Warren, and Sanders, which is disconcerting. But qualitatively, I'm of the belief that Trump won an election in 2016 predicated on going against very unpopular lightning rod Hillary Clinton as a candidate. There was the Comey investigation swirling around, and he won a few swing states by less than 50,000 votes or so in some cases. And I believe this is a perfect storm in which he still lost the popular vote. So let's, let's take a step back and relax, right? People in this country are more galvanized, not less galvanized, who do oppose him, all right? Now, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think it's reasonably possible he gets his ass kicked in 12 months from now. Now, I think that once again, a cognitive distortion is at play as part of the human condition here. And I'm not talking about some kind of positive cognitive distortion that I have of wishful thinking. But I think the cognitive distortion here is, is what's called the peak end rule. Now, this is the case here where we're taking a negative memory and applying it to the future prediction of the 2020 election. Now, there's this fear out there by non-Trumpers, given the negative surprise of Hillary losing. Now, I, I think it's a psychological overcorrection, right? There's also overgeneralizing that polls have no validity because of the way 2016 played out. And there's this fear not to get hopes up because of the negative surprise, right? Listen, once the, the candidate emerges and the VP attaches to the candidate, let's just go ahead and see what happens. 
let's not all go crazy and think that it's going to be some kind of a close race or we're doomed again for the next four years. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I really think it's very feasible that Trump gets his ass kicked next year in the election. All right? NFL storylines, NFL week 11 to 12 bridge, next. So before taking a look at storylines this week, I wanted to comment about Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick last week had a workout plan where all 32 teams would be able to view him in the Atlanta area. So last minute, he pulled the rug out because he didn't trust the waiver he got from the NFL and it not being public enough. And instead, he had a public throwing session at a high school where less than a quarter of those teams attended, seven of the 32 teams attended. And it's not even important to look at the results of what happened. I mean, yeah, you could look at it and be like, oh, we could throw, but what does that really show you? But I think when it comes to Colin, as you might have guessed based on me being a mixed-race person of color and what I've shared about my imperfect view of America, I support his protest as a player wholeheartedly. I also think it's incredibly shady that he hasn't been signed by any NFL team since 2016. Do I think that he is the level of play at his peak back in like 2013, 2014 and it, with his last couple of years in the league? Hell no. He was 3-16 and 16 in his last 19 games. He started, but if you look at his stats, uh, you know, they were certainly better or on par with most backups in the league. I mean, he, he threw 22 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 6.7 yards per attempt, and just under 60% completion percentage in those 19 games. That's very comparable to Mitchell Trubisky's last 19 games, the number two overall pick in the 2017 draft. Now, Trubisky has had 24 touchdowns in that, in that span of time, or the last, his last 19 games, 13 touchdowns and a 6.6 yards per attempt. Now listen, Kaepernick was on a couple of dog shit Niners teams, but he wasn't playing horribly. However, with Kaepernick, I think he cares more to be an activist than a player which is fine, but let's call it as it is. That's how I see it. I also think he all of a sudden just got in touch with his black side and, and sort of running with that. You know, ditched his haircut for this afro that he, that he sports. Um, and for those of you who don't realize Kaepernick, he actually is, he has, is mixed race and was adopted by a white family. And I'm of the belief that he went back to the, the tatted, he went... If he if he did go back to the tattooed alternative, we had like kind of this like slicked race like mi- I mean, I'm sorry, this slick mixed race hair, and he had that version of himself that we saw earlier in his career. His perception would be different. He could still protest the same way, but he is a lightning rod to teams and kryptonite for a heavily white fan base loaded with conservatives and pretty much all NFL teams as far as um, as it relates to their the fans go. So I respect him for sticking to his values, but I also don't think he's some poor victim. If he really wanted to play, he could still protest. He could still, have, you know, there's plenty of guys in the league that do that. But I think he, he could change his, his, what his perception is. But he doesn't want to do that. And the issue, you know, here with, with Colin Kaepernick in general, it's not black and white. Much like mixed race people like myself for him are not black or white. Just something to consider. NFL storylines and bridge next. So as we move to 
from week 11 to 12, let's look at a few of the storylines. So the other night on Thursday Night Football, we saw Deshaun Watson bounce back and defeat the Indianapolis Colts and get revenge from earlier when they lost to the Colts in Indy. Uh, and they moved their record to 7-4, and four, a game up on, on Indianapolis. And on Monday night, the Chiefs unimpressively defeated the Chargers, where it seems like uh, Phillip Rivers is, is, uh, de- is rapidly declining. It's a storyline that, that did come up as we end the week. So um, th- that's, that's definitely something to, to look at. But at the end of the day, um, above even the Rivers' decline, I know I called the last week, but I'm, and I'm going to stick to my prediction that um, they would be battling with the Patriots as far as the, the, the Chiefs and the Texans go. But it's really hard for me to picture any team but the Pats or Ravens in the Super Bowl representing the AFC. You know, can can both but could both these two teams um, potentially win their their very losable games this week against the Cowboys and Rams? We'll see. That's a that's a nice teaser for my picks, but I think the storyline here is uh, who's really beating the Pats or Ravens. That's my storyline number one. Storyline number two. All right, what kind of response will we see from the Cleveland Browns after the Miles Garrett suspension? And yet another example of this undisciplined team whose wheels are loose and another loss or two away from the wheels coming off the Freddy Kitchen tractor trailer and driving over the guardrails and into the into the, the ravine. You know, the whole Miles Garrett said Mason Rudolph called him a racial slur. It's not unsubstantiated. But Miles Garrett swung a, 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 a weapon at, at Mason Rudolph and, and could have concussed him or at, the, at the very least. And people say killed him. I think that's a little bit of hyperbole. I mean, yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett's a strong guy. It, it's certainly possible that he could have seriously injured him. Um, but, you know, I'm not condoning what he did. It was disgusting, and he, I don't, he should be suspended indefinitely. But uh, the, the bigger story here is, you know, what, how are the Browns going to respond? I don't think they're a mentally tough team, so I would not be surprised if, um, if, they, if they played a little unhinged in the next few weeks. And look out for that Pittsburgh game. They've been playing Pittsburgh again coming up. Um, if you don't think Pittsburgh's going to have, have complete revenge on their mind in a way that's even bigger than if they just lost the game outright, I mean, you have another thing coming. I, I, it'd be interesting to see how that factors into the line. But uh, I think storyline number two is the Browns and the Miles Garrett uh, reaction. Um, storyline number three. Now, in the NFL, much like life, the season is looked at um, as one, but in reality, it's broken up into many seasons within a season. Just like in life, people live many different lives because – we evolve so much as people, um, and, that, and that's just, that, that's I think a, a, a great topic for another episode. But you know, marriages they say you know in a, in a, in a long term marriage, you're you're there's actually like five to seven marriages within those marriage w- within that one marriage. So there exists many fragments in the same within NFL season. I mean, there's there's each month, which is a natural way to break things up. But a lot of times, just teams um, that are hot in the beginning cool off. Teams that are that are uneven in the beginning get hot. And will we see teams like my Jets and Falcons continue to roll and spoil as we get deep into November and into December? And then teams like the Bills and Niners, did they peak a little too early? So just looking interesting to see how, how teams kind of shift gears as it relates to their level of play at this point in the season often. Um, Storyline number four, the Mitchell Trubisky injury, the hip injury that maybe happened on one play seemed like it was just a phantom injury especially after that the moment that Nagy and, and, and Trubisky had on the sidelines. Are these Mitch's final days as a starting quarterback for the Bears? 
Now, I made the prediction last week. I don't think he's going to start for the Bears next year. I don't know if he's going to be a star in the league again. I mean, I mean, he's on the verge of being a bust. I mean, I, people people love to, to defend this guy, and they blame the offense. They blame Trubisky. It's everybody else's fault. But this guy has been completely unimpressive. And it's it, with every start that Deshaun Watson and Mahomes have that's dominant, that's on a different level, it's more and more of a of a black eye for Ryan Pace and the Bears for, for trading up to draft Trubisky. So... Um, and what a 180 the coaching perception has been on Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy coached the year last year. You talk to Bears fans. I mean, they act like he's like the worst. They, 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 they talk about him like he's Adam Gase or, or Pat Shermer or somebody. It's, it's unbelievable the fall from grace he's had. And it's all rooted in, in Trubisky. And it's all, I think, based on the fact that Trubisky was the wrong guy to pick. So that's storyline number four. And the last storyline, which I alluded to, was Philip Rivers. Is he done? I mean, he looks like a disaster out there. I mean, he, he looks like Jameis Winston, the way he's turning the ball over. This is a guy who was a top MVP candidate last year. And we could debate his merits as a Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy's had great regular seasons. He's won a handful of playoff games as a dog, but he's never really won the big game. He's compared often to Eli and Ben, who have four Super Bowls collectively between the two of them, same draft class. I mean, Rivers has definitely been the more consistent regular season person um, ahead of Eli Manning. You know, I, I get a lot of shit for picking on Eli Manning, but I mean, Eli Manning's 116-116 as a starter. Philip Rivers has won multiple divisions um, and has just been a lot better. That's a discussion for another time. But he's definitely, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's, he's a, a few weeks away from turning 38, <laughs> which I have sympathy towards as a, as a fellow 38-year-old. But he's, um, he's fallen off big time. So I think those are the top five stories. Um, ham, hot, sharp, butter knife picks. Against the spread coming up next. So my picks are still riding pretty high. Thank God I don't gamble actual money anymore because betting is just insanity in any sport. I mean, you just see it how how just things could turn on on, on a dime. And even if you think that you analytically approach a game the right way, just just crazy stuff happens. You know? I was on the verge of, of two and one last week with my picks, but Arizona, who was up sixteen nothing in that game, and on the right, and certainly I think the right side, but a late comeback by the Niners and some fluky things, including a late lateral play, in which the Niners ran it back for a touchdown, even though I think the guy got tackled at the one yard line, and they turned a four point win into a ten point win and a push, and um, I was one one and one last week, and uh, because of that game. Um, but overall for the season, uh, or overall, I should start for the last 18 games, I am um, 11-6-1, good for a 639 winning percentage. So I'm certainly, you know, I'll certainly be, be very happy about that. And I think the knife is still sharp, baby. I really do. The knife is still sharp as far as I'm concerned. Um, so... Going back with as far as last week, I pushed with the cards plus 10 at the Niners. I whiffed with the Dolphins at home against the Bills. The Bills killed them. Um, but I nailed the patch at the Eagles. So 1-1-1 one, one, one for the overall for the season. I am 15-15-3 uh, through 33 games. So without a further ado, week 12 picks. Here we go. I hate doing this, all right? But this is a doggy dog week, and I'm going to start right here in New Jersey. Um, I'm not in, I don't live in New Jersey, but I'm going to start in the, in the New York area, in New Jersey, across the river. 
with my New York Jets hosting the Oakland Raiders. Now, I know I'm an optimist at times, but I think I'm also realistic when it comes to the Jets, all right? I pick the Jets not every week this year. I pick them twice as far as my, my, my pick segment goes. I nailed the Cowboys game, but I completely flopped against the Pats in the Sam Darnold ghost game. But I'm taking the Jets here plus three. Look, this is the sharp side, right? Major, major handicappers such as Steve Fesick have it as, as, as their strongest plays of the week. The Jets are three and seven. But you really have to throw the Luke Falk games out of, out the window with Darnold having mono and properly evaluating this team. Now, I'm not saying the Jets are good, but they're more middle of the pack sort of team than a bottom five team. All right. They're three and four with Darnold starting. And that first Bills game that they blew with the Mosley injury, the kicking wolves. I'm not so sure Darnold didn't have mono then. and was starting to, 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 to have his play be uneven. So I still question Gase as a coach, but I think this is a fork in the road game for him. Um Jets insiders say that the, the team is still very much behind Gase in the locker room. And, you know, I think the Raiders' biggest strength is their running backs. Their, their rookie, Josh Jacobs, who I predicted as Offensive Rookie of the Year, is having a phenomenal season. But the Jets are second in the league against the run, according to Football Outsiders. Now, Oakland has, a on the other side of the ball, has a bottom five defense. And they're playing at 10 a.m. Pacific time after winning three coin flip home games. All right, let's talk movement. This line has been absolutely steady at minus three for Oakland. Let's talk distribution. Two-thirds of the money and two-thirds of the tickets on the Raiders, and the line hasn't budged a bit. Sharps are on the Jets. If you were to do the mirror game, the Raiders would be getting nine in Oakland. I think that's way out of whack against the Jets. Uh, give me the Jets plus three. Next, let's hop to New England, where the Dallas Cowboys are getting six points at New England. Why? Because Jason Garrett is a bad coach and Bill Belichick is a good coach? Because the world isn't ready to accept Dak Prescott as a rising quarterback star yet? Listen, Dak Prescott is, in his last 16 games, has nearly 5,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. And this year, he's actually in the top three as far as um, football outsiders for quarterbacks. Now, New England has a top-flight defense, but Dallas can score. And Greg Cassell of NFL Films said that Dallas has overwhelmingly talented personnel. And... One of the most ru dynamic running attacks in the league with Zeke Elliott. And a quarterback that's not afraid of the moment. I mean, Prescott's 18-11 and 11 in, in his career on the road. 40 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Dallas has an underdog since 2010. is 36-25-1. Let's talk distribution. 52% of the tickets on the Pats, but 57% of the cash on the Cowboys. The line has moved down from opening at Pats minus 7. So sharp action is on Dallas. Give me Dallas plus six at New England, and don't be surprised if this one is one of New England's rare losses. Finally, I don't feel great about this one, but let's go to Monday Night Football and the Rams and Ravens. Rams are getting a field goal as a dog. Now, Baltimore has looked great and dynamic for weeks and is getting fluffed up as a top team off a big conference win against the Texans, a dominant performance at the Bengals, and a win on Sunday Night Football against the Patriots. Now, the bloom is off the rose for McVay and Goff, and they look ugly on Sunday Night Football in spite of a win last week against the Bears. 88% of the tickets are on Baltimore. 74% of the cash, though, is on Baltimore, so there's sharp action on the Rams. The line is holding steady at plus three. Give me the Rams plus three and the outright win here, simply put. Now, to summarize, I like two home dogs in the Jets and Rams. At plus three, and I like Dallas as a road dog, plus six at New England. 
Um, two rants after this. Okay, rant number one. So don't fit a square peg in a round hole when it comes to friendships or acquaintances. Now, I've lived in a suburban town for the last three and a half years, all right? There's a, a, you know, a gym that I go to that I've talked about before, and there's a gentleman at the gym, a man who stopped me one day at the gym and, and asked me if I lived in the village of blank, which is the town, the town in, which, in which we live. And I found it a little bit peculiar, right? Because this guy kind of inorganically stopped me to talk to me. And you know, he's just like, you know, he's, he's, we just, it's just really strange to me because I think it's more of a coincidence to run into a, a person from a smaller subset of a population in a larger subset than the opposite. So meaning if I were to see this guy in town, he's like, hey, do you go to this gym? That's more of a coincidence to me. You know, if you go to high school, it'd be like going into going to a, a person in your bio class and asking if they go to your high school rather than in high school walking around the halls being like, hey, aren't you in my bio class? I mean, this guy for being a casual acquaintance goes out of his way to say hi to me unnaturally and inorganically. Like I could be mid-conversation, not making eye contact, looking down. It's just creepy. It's weird. You know, we also have this weird generational gap. We don't seem to have anything in common at all. The guy is, is, you know, about 15, 17, 20 years older than me, like, so not quite as old as my parents. I wouldn't be the same age as his kids. It's just a strange thing, and it's uncomfortable. So my, my, my moral of the story here is don't force a friendship. Don't force acquaintances. Don't fit square pegs into round holes. Rant number two. People who wear headphones around an office setting as they go to the kitchen or bathroom you're being fucking ridiculous, all right? You're not in the secret service. Is your music or podcast that compelling that you can't be bothered filling up your coffee from the Keurig or getting cereal? I mean, it's unbelievable with the technology problem we have in this world. We have a bunch of cyborgs walking around. Unplug from technology once in a while. Listen, if you're on the phone with a relative, your spouse, your kid, you know, walk around with the headset, fine, have a quick conversation. But if you're going every single day to the bathroom, I mean, unplug. Please, listen to the, to the urinal water swishing around. You make some small talk with your colleague about the weather. Be engaging. So much of, of, of success in this world comes around building relationships. You never know where you're going to be able to build a relationship. So unplug, please. Don't wear headphones around an office setting. And you walk past somebody, don't ignore them in a small company either. Just completely grinds my gears at times. Thanks for listening to the Chris Ham Podcast. Please follow me on Twitter, at Chris N. Ham. Your support and feedback is incredibly valuable as I grow this podcast. So please tell me what you like, what you don't like, and feel free to suggest topic ideas. Take it easy, friends. Be well.